Morning Press from Cast Iron Brains, a BrainIron.com production. Here's 11 minutes or so of news for today, Monday, January 8th, 2024. Republican House Speaker Mike Johnson and Democratic Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer announced separately on Sunday that the two houses of Congress had agreed to a basic framework on funding the government through all of 2024. The $1.6 billion of what the government will spend this year will be split roughly evenly, with 53% going towards defense and 47% on non-defense discretionary spending. Johnson claimed victories for Republicans by pointing to accelerated cuts to IRS funding and the clawing back of unspent COVID set-asides, while Schumer declared that the deal was a win for Democrats, as it protects social spending priorities from the, quote, draconian cuts sought by right-wing extremists, end quote. Actually finalizing the deal means getting four different spending bills passed through both houses of Congress and to the president's desk by January 19th in order to avoid a temporary government shutdown, which would only set up the next phase of shutdown avoidance, another package of eight spending bills which must be passed by February 2nd to avoid major disruptions to government services. Standing in the way of the not inconsiderable task of getting this basket of budget authorizations over to the White House is the House Freedom Caucus, which on Monday called the compromise a total failure. The Trump-aligned group has condemned the spending levels as putting the country on the path to financial ruin and complained that the plan is in fact worse than the temporary deals that former House Speaker Kevin McCarthy struck on the debt ceiling that were the ostensible instigating events of McCarthy's defenestration. Johnson, who presides over a very narrow majority, will therefore likely need many Democrats to vote with Republicans to get this done, and success on that front may well lead to another protracted leadership battle in the House, as members of the House Freedom Caucus have argued that there's no point in a Republican majority if it continues to cave to Democratic demands. Plan B, should Congress not pass all of the spending bills by February 2nd, would trigger an automatic reversion to 2023 spending, less 1% across the board, an eventuality that is appealing to Johnson and Republicans as it likely sidesteps a direct confrontation with the Freedom Caucus, but something Democrats believe is unacceptable. A schoolteacher outside of Portland, Oregon, identified only as... Bob, received the gratitude of federal investigators after he sent the National Travel Safety Board a photograph of a 60-pound piece of airplane fuselage that had landed in his backyard. The rectangular plug, a portion of the plane that fills the space where an emergency exit door might be located, but in this plane's configuration is, theoretically, simply sealed off, blew off mid-flight on Friday, three miles above Oregon, forcing the Boeing 737 MAX to return to the airport from which it had taken off about 15 minutes prior. None of the 171 passengers, nor six crew members, were seriously injured in the event, but as airplanes are traditionally not supposed to have gaping holes appear in them mid-flight, the Federal Aviation Administration on Saturday ordered the immediate grounding of about 170 Boeing 737s of the same model. This particular plane was nearly brand new, having come off the assembly line and into service just last November. The sudden cabin depressurization happened before the plane reached cruising altitude, so everyone aboard was still seated and buckled into their seats, and, by sheer luck, no one was seated directly where the blowout occurred. 
This is not the first time the Boeing 737 MAX has made news in recent years. In October of 2017 and March of 2018, two similarly brand-new Boeing 737 MAX planes crashed, killing nearly 350 people, an apparent result of poor pilot training in how to respond to a malfunctioning flight control system. The investigation into the most recent incident is expected to last a year or longer, though some of the grounded planes have already passed inspection and returned to service. Fuselage blowouts of this sort are incredibly rare, with all previous instances being attributable to metal fatigue accrued over the course of a much longer service time than this plane had been flying. Anthony Brickhouse, a teacher at the Emory-Riddle Aeronautical University in Florida, told the Associated Press that this was the first instance of a plane being compromised in this way, of which he was aware. Boeing's stock was down in Monday trading. Michigan State GOP Party Chair Christina Caramo, a 2020 election conspiracist who received the endorsement of Donald Trump in her failed 2022 bid for Michigan Secretary of State, was apparently ousted from her position by fellow Republicans on Saturday, following a gathering that took place inside an indoor gun range. Caramo and her supporters have rejected the result, in keeping with their reaction to the 2020 presidential election and Caramo's 2022 Secretary of State bid, insisting that the vote was somewhere between unofficial and illegal, setting the state GOP on a path to a court fight over who will control the party moving forward. Michigan is a battleground state in the 2024 election, with most state polls currently showing any Republican challenger ahead of President Biden, and the state also has a Senate seat up for grabs in 2024, as Democrat Debbie Stabenow will not be seeking a fifth term in office. Caramo's stewardship of the Michigan Republican Party has been called into question over issues related to growing financial debt and infighting. A not insignificant portion of the debt the party owes to creditors includes a $110,000 speaking fee to the actor Jim Caviezel, famous for his role as Jesus in Mel Gibson's The Passion of the Christ. The Supreme Court announced Friday that it would hear arguments over Colorado's state Supreme Court ruling that Donald Trump would be barred from the state's presidential ballot. Arguments will be heard one month from today, on February 8th, and the justices will, presumably, fast-track their decision rather than wait to announce over the summer. Though legal experts are divided on how the issue should be resolved, the court is expected to rule in Trump's favor, the only question being how the vote will break down. Mass murderer Anders Breivik, who killed 77 people in a 2011 bombing and shooting rampage, including 50 people aged 18 or younger, has asked a court in Norway for early release from prison, citing deep depression and a desire to no longer go on living. His lawyers blame isolation for his apparent despair, though he does have contact with guards, religious and health professionals, and is permitted to socialize with two other prisoners for an hour twice a month. Lawyers for the government contend that the relative isolation is necessary because Brevik still harbors the same white supremacist views that motivated his attack, is still proud of what he did, and that allowing him more contact with the outside world and the media which he requests, would be dangerous. 
He is scheduled for release in 2032, as Norway caps prison sentences to just 21 years for even the most heinous of crimes. But he is not expected to be set free. In Norway, the term of imprisonment can be extended in five-year chunks for as long as courts rule that the incarcerated is a threat to society. In even briefer news today, Australia has banned the Nazi salute and public display of the swastika and symbol of the SS, punishable by up to a year in prison. Pope Francis has condemned surrogate motherhood and called for a global ban on the practice, presumably punishable by up to an eternity in hell. And Tiger Woods and Nike have parted ways after a 27 years long brand endorsement relationship. Also, the Golden Globes happened last night. On this day in history, January 8, 1815, the final major battle of the War of 1812 was fought in New Orleans, two weeks and a day after the war was formally ended by the signing of a peace treaty in Belgium, the happy news of which had not yet traveled across the Atlantic to the relevant parties, because email was apparently not yet a thing. The Americans suffered 13 dead and total casualties of 71, while the British casualty figures exceeded 2,000, including 291 dead. The battle was a great victory for future president and then U.S. Army Major General Andrew Jackson, who turned the reputation he earned winning that battle into political capital that helped him become governor of Tennessee and, later, the seventh president of the United States. Jackson's legacy is, of course, a mixed one, given the whole Indian removal trail of tears stuff. But judging by the $20 bill, he was a handsome fella, so surely he wasn't all bad. Speaking of handsome fellas, also on this day, the world celebrates the birthday of North Korean Supreme Leader Kim Jong-un, whose precise date of birth has never been confirmed by North Korea and is not publicly celebrated the way his father's and grandfather's birthdays were, and still are. Expert observers of the rogue nuclear state speculate that the fact that Kim Jong-un's mother was Kim Jong-il's third or possibly fourth wife, and also born in Japan, a country for which North Korea has no love lost, contributes to the downplaying of Kim's birthday by the totalitarian regime. Kim is 40, according to the United States, but may be as old as 42. A note of full disclosure, the editorial position of the morning press on birthdays is distressingly similar to the position taken by the North Koreans regarding the birthday of their supreme commander. The general instinct to downplay birthday significance is good, we believe. But we are committed to not letting such ideological convergence impact the tough and honest coverage we hope to bring to bear on the hermit kingdom and all authoritarians moving forward. That said, best birthday wishes and good cheer to the round little tyrant, and many more. Now, here's a look at the weather. Careful listeners of the morning press will recall that we struck an optimistic, positive tone in last Friday's weather, delighting in all the creature comforts of modernity bestowed upon us by our collective glorious human ancestry, whose hard work, cooperation, and mastery of so much of the physical world has resulted in a life of truly unthinkable convenience and leisure. After reading about the cultural furor over a limited-edition 40-ounce Stanley-branded water bottle, however... 
which has resulted in people camping out outside of Target stores in order to be one of the lucky few to pay nearly $50 for a special color of the highly desired tumbler, which inevitably led to verbal and physical altercations that required police intervention. We would like to retract last week's sunny outlook on the state of the world. Perhaps this was all a mistake, after all. Or maybe it's just Monday. That's the weather from here. How's it look out your window? The Morning Press is a production of the BrainIron.com multinational media empire. Please direct comments and complaints to brainironpodcast at gmail.com or visit the website at brainiron.com. For a transcript of today's episode and links to the stories referenced, find The Morning Press at brainiron.substack.com, where, if you would like to support this and other endeavors of the brainiron.com media empire, you can also become a paying subscriber. Thanks, and barring the sudden onset of the inevitable, we'll talk to you tomorrow. The proceeding was created with 100% human content.